Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks so much for joining us here on this September 3rd. I hope you are doing well. We've had a warm week here, but also beautiful mornings. And uh, just I love this time of year, fall. And kids are often in school, college. We've been praying for our well, we have two kids in college, but I know a lot of church families have kids off in college and have to leave them somewhere and miss not seeing them around the house. And um, But uh, lots happening at the church as well. Um, we're back in the full swing of things. We've got our two services at 8.30 and 10.30, and then we also have our midweek programs for both the, the high school and middle school youth groups at the Cove and then the BCC Kids here every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. They're doing an Awana-like program now. And then we have our small groups that meet throughout the week and many different opportunities to volunteer and serve. You know, I think of the backpack program. It gives food out to, to our schools, about 30 different families there. Our community closet, about 50 different families receiving clothing regularly um, to help them through these tough, tough times. Then our reintegration program with the prison ministry we're doing there on Monday nights and uh, great stuff there helping out people so there's lots of places to connect or to serve and we hope that uh, you will uh, take advantage of that if you would like I know some of you watch uh, our messages uh, from far away and we're glad about that if you ever have any prayer requests uh, just call me email me whatever and we'll be praying for you um, but we always do our services this way. Some churches, they stream their services. Uh, where we're located, it's harder to do that consistently. But also, we found most people just kind of really wanted to hear the message for the week. And if they missed, and so we try to do that personally right to you. The same sermon the people here on Sunday, we also bring to you at home wherever you're at. So I hope you're doing well, and God bless you for tuning in. We have been going through the People of God series right now, this fall semester. And uh, so we're going through the book of Acts, learning again uh, the beginnings of the church and who we are and what we're supposed to be about. And, and so if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Acts chapter 3. And beginning in verse 1, we're going to read that. Acts 3, verse 1, and it goes to chapter 4, uh, verses, uh, verse 4. So it's be the wonderful story of one of the first miracles that happened in the church. So Acts 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was about 3 in the afternoon. And a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and they said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something in return. When Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he helped the man up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. He went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people gathered astonished. They come running to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. 
and they saw Peter. And when Peter saw this, he said, Men of Israel, why does this miracle surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? No, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and disowned him before Pilate. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released instead. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. And by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that is given this complete healing as you can all see. So brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that this Christ would have to suffer. So repent and turn to God that your sins might be cleaned and that the time of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ whom he has appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore it all, as he promised long ago through the prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You've got to listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who doesn't listen to him will be completely cut off from the people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold of these days. And you are heirs of the prophet, your covenant that God made with your forefathers. He said to Abram, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you, turning each of you away from your wicked ways. Well, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were still speaking. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of believers grew to about 5,000. I want to ask you a question as we begin this time together. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that Jesus still wants to do miracles through his people like he did through Peter and John that day? Do you believe that he can? Last year, we looked at the Gospel of John together, the life and ministry of Jesus. And this year, we're looking at the church and how Christ is continuing his ministry now through his people through the apostles and the believers as they go out into all the world with the good news, they go in the power of the Holy Spirit and God is at work among them in miraculous ways. Last week we looked at Acts 2 and how a fire was lit within them. They had a new passion and purpose as they all came together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer and many wonders and miracles that were done, it says among them. It tells, the, tells us that the people had this new community. They shared everything with each other. They ate together. They praised God. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is his church. This is, this is how it all began. Well, what we read in our chapter for this morning is about one of those miracles that were done. A crippled man who was uh, not able to walk from birth, he's now suddenly walking. And reading this story, you know, it seems to me it is so similar to how Jesus did it and the miracles that he did. 
I mean, Jesus would walk up to people and he'd give sight to the blind. You know, somebody with leprosy there, he would touch them and all of a sudden they would be cleansed. Or somebody who was stuck on a mat and crippled, Jesus would speak and suddenly they were walking again. I think of the story, one of the early miracle stories of Jesus, how these four friends brought their friend to Jesus, carrying him on a mat. And there was no room to get to Jesus, no way to get to him because of the crowd. And so they went up on top of the roof and they made a way and the roof cut down and, and they lowered their friend down to Jesus on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, it says that he said, your faith has made you well. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the man did in front of them all. This is a Jesus miracle here, right? Miracles and healings were, were just a part of Jesus' ministry every day. And so what we read in our chapter for today is that they were also a part of the church, the early church. And as Peter says here, it wasn't him doing it. It was still Jesus and faith in Jesus that made this person well. You see, the church, we say it all the time, but do we really believe it? The church is the body of Christ. He is among us. We are his hands and his feet and his voice. The church is the continuation of his ministry, not ours, but his in us. Do we believe that? Can we dare to believe that the Lord is at work among us and still doing miracles? You see, there's a powerful thing that Jesus promised his disciples on the night of the Last Supper. In John 14, 12, Jesus told them, he said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is what Jesus said. Jesus gave his disciples this very promise. That they would be able to do everything that he had been doing. In his name and for his purpose and to the glory of God. They would be able to do miracles. So that other people might come to see the truth of Jesus. And be saved. And so this is what we see happening in our chapter for today. It's a miracle like this of Jesus. Peter is putting his faith in Jesus and asking the Lord in his name to do something for this man. And it is done. And I love that it is Peter who shows this kind of faith first. Because I was just reading again a couple weeks ago the story of Jesus walking on the water. And, and how all the disciples were in the boat and they were amazed that Jesus is walking on the water. But Peter, he always goes one step further than the rest of them. For Peter is the one guy in the boat who looks out at Jesus walking on the water and he says to him, Lord, if it's really you, call me so that I too can walk on the water. And Jesus says to Peter, come on out. And Peter gets out of the boat. Would we have the faith to walk on water? To put our foot down out of that boat onto the water and believe that the Lord is going to keep us above? Peter did believe that. He believed in miracles. 
he got out of the boat and he started to walk on water towards Jesus. Do what Jesus had been doing. Peter reasoned that if, if Jesus, who is Lord, commanded it, it would happen. And it did. Peter knows miracles. And that's what's happening here again. Peter is again taking Jesus at his word. He has seen the Lord do miracles like this a hundred times. And he trusts what Jesus told him and the other disciples at the Last Supper. And so in faith, Peter sees this man. He stops. He looks right at him. And he says, silver or gold I don't have. But what I do have, think about those words. What I do have, the promise of Jesus, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the man did. You see, Jesus was still doing miracles after he was in heaven. He was doing them now through these fishermen who took him at his word. Miracles were a part of that early church because Jesus was a part of them. Do we believe in miracles? Are we a church that believes the Lord is still at work in our midst and that answered prayers and that God's power is at work in his people who dare to call on his name and step out in faith? And this is such an important moment in the life of that early church. Not only does this miracle give validation to this new ministry, but it's also important because Peter doesn't take credit for it. That's so important. Imagine if Peter had said, hey, look what I just did. <laughs> then the crowd would have begun to what? Worship Peter instead of Jesus. For we see in our chapter, a crowd does gather and they all begin to do this. They begin to look at Peter as if he's the one who does it. But Peter immediately tells them, no, it wasn't me. Why do you stare at us if by our own power of godliness this man can walk? Peter said, no, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has glorified his servant Jesus. And it is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes from him that has given this man complete healing as you can now see. Peter gives all the credit, all the glory to Jesus. Oh, we need to hear that. Because too many times in church history, we have worshipped people, whether popes or saints or kings or superstar pastors of megachurches or evangelists that fill stadiums, the Billy Grahams, the Mother Teresas, whomever it is, we almost worship these people as superhuman, as if it was somehow them. It wasn't. Sometimes we even at the people of God, we can take credit or believe, start to believe that it's us. When it isn't, it's Christ alone. We can let our egos get in the way, but Peter doesn't. He loves Jesus more than the crowd or his own ego. Peter knew his place. Peter knew that he couldn't walk on water unless Jesus called him out of the boat. And Peter knew he couldn't make a man walk. Only Jesus can. Peter knew he was just the servant. Jesus was the healer. Jesus was the Savior. Jesus was the Lord. Same is true in our life. May we never forget it. Whether your gift is, is praying for healing or teaching or preaching or leadership or serving others or starting a business or singing beautiful music or being a mom who prays praise. May we, one, believe in the promises of Jesus that in us he can do miracles, 
But then two, let us also know our place. Just like Mother Teresa, who when people wanted to saint her and worship her, she would say, no, I'm a nobody, just a little pencil in God's hand. Our life exists to do great things, but things that point people to how great our God is, not how great we are. I love the casting crown song, Only Jesus. The lyrics are, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him, only Jesus. And so you see, in this critical moment at the start of the church, the miracle gave it legs, gave it validation of being from God and revealed him. But then when the crowd was ready to praise Peter, he so importantly deflected the glory and said, don't you dare, I'm just a servant. Jesus is the Lord. So I ask again, do we believe in miracles? Do we believe like Peter that we can walk on water if Jesus commands it? Will we dare to step out of the boat and put ourselves out there in faith to see the wonderful thing that God wants to do in and through our life that point a world back to him? Will we attempt things of faith? Because this matters. I was in Jerusalem about a dozen or so years ago. Me and a friend, we were walking through the Damascus Gate, a different one than the one that's mentioned here in scriptures, but similar in that just outside of the gate were all of these crippled and sick people. Just like in the time of Jesus, they were right there. It was like I had walked back into Bible times. And as I walked past these people, I wondered, does Jesus still do miracles today? Was he wanting me to do something in that moment? I went back to my hotel room and I just cried because I knew I didn't have the faith to believe it. But it's not just the spectacular miracles that God wants to do. It's the, just the faith to believe that God can use you wherever you are. To even just help somebody get through a tough time, that's a miracle that he wants to do. Or to help overcome an addiction or bring clean water to a village like we have done in our missions team, that's a miracle Christ is doing for many. Or a revival in your school, I mean, dream, listen to the Lord, obey. What does Jesus want to do in you? Do we have faith to believe in the miracle today? people can walk again, that Jesus can still feed the hungry masses with our little offerings, that Jesus can and still wants to do miracles in our family, new life, changed lives, and that he can work through me and you. Will his people call on his name and trust in his promises? <coughs> For Jesus wants to continue his ministry through you. We are the Peter and the Johns today. We're his people. The church is not our ministry. It's his. I want to mention just a couple other things from this chapter. One, notice the people of God. Notice the needy. From the very beginning of the church, just like with Jesus, God's people had compassion. They had his compassion. They loved people and cared about people who were hurting, sick, crippled, elderly, widowed, orphaned, hungry, or lost. And we, see, well, we will see this truth more and more as we go through the book of Acts. These guys really cared. I mean, they did. 
God gave them a compassion when he gave them the Holy Spirit. And this is what I see in our chapter. Peter and John saw this man. It says in verse 4, they looked straight at him. They didn't turn away from the beggar lying there, the homeless or the sick. They saw him as they entered into the temple to pray. He was a man that we're told had been crippled from birth, and he was carried every day to that gate. That's what the Bible says. The man was there every day at that gate. Which makes me think, how many years had that man sat in that same spot? And how many people, including Peter and John, passed him on the way to the temple day after day? Probably hundreds of times. Every day as they came to prayer, every time Peter and John went to the temple, that man was at that gate. A gate called beautiful, it says. It's called that because the gate was covered in bronze, but in the sunlight would look like gold. It was also called the golden gate in some other places. But most people, as they would enter the city, they'd get caught up in the gate. They would be gazing and looking upon the beauty of the gate, mesmerized by the gold, that they perhaps failed to see who was sitting right down beside it. No doubt Peter and John had maybe passed this man many different times, but had they ever really seen him? You know, we can be like that, going about our day. We can get distracted by the gold or the busy or focused on where we're going that we fail to see who God puts right in our path, the people we pass by every day. These people can be even in our own home. We can pass our spouse in the hallway or the kitchen and no longer really see her, no longer truly care about what she's going through or even notice, just focused on ourselves and what we got to do today. We can be like this at work with our co-workers. We can sit beside them and go to a job every day and never really even get to know them or what they're going through, never ask, never even listen. We can do it as a church. We can come in and sit down and worship and then leave and never notice the single mom who's sitting right down next to us in our pew or the elderly man who comes alone or the guy who just lost his job and is nervous. We can do it at school. The kid who doesn't fit in or going through a parent's divorce, do we even see him? Do we even care? We can do it as we drive in and out of the Walmart parking lot and see another person standing at the intersection with a sign. Or downtown, we walk past another beggar lying on the street. Maybe we don't want to see him. Maybe we don't want to make eye contact. Maybe we think we've got enough problems of our own. Maybe we have judgment even towards them and think they're a worthless part of society and we pass them and fail to see who God really wants us to see. There was a man like this that I got to know every morning in seminary. I'd come down my stairs in Chicago apartment there and out into the alley and past the trash cans to head to work and there would be this often the same guy who would be there in the alley almost every day at 7.30. And he would often be kind of rummaging through the trash or sitting near the building. And if I was honest, I would say that I was kind of scared of him mostly. <laughs> he kind of talked to himself as he walked around. He smelled bad, unshaved, and clothes were filthy, fingernails black as dirt. And, and I tried to talk to him once, and it was kind of awkward. Kind of maybe avoid him would be easier. Well, one evening as I was serving as a chaplain in the hospital right down the street, a guy came in and was in a coma. Police had brought him in, and he had been beaten up terrible. Blood and dirt covered his shirt and his pants. He was homeless. Now, he wasn't the same guy that I had gotten to know, but he could have been. He had no identification. He had no one to come and see him. In fact, the hospital staff didn't even seem to care if he lived or died. I hate to say that, but they treated him differently. I could tell. 
All he had in his pockets was a number, phone number. So we called it, trying to find out anything about him. And it was of a woman, and she showed up. And she had been his friend, a caregiver from way back, someone that he knew he could call, a sweet lady, Christian lady. She knew his name, and she came right away. She hurt for him and loved him, sat beside him and prayed for him until he died later that night. When I saw the love that she had for him and how she treated him, I thought about the guy in my alley. Day after day, I began to wonder about him. Who did he have? Where did he come from? I found myself more and more moved by God to care. I think God put this in my heart because he cared about him. God loved him. I felt God just didn't want me to ignore him or turn away when I saw him or be frightened of him, but to really look upon the man. I tried all the more to say hi. It probably wasn't enough, but I would bring down things at times to give. But I started to feel for him, pray for him. And I realized in this the Lord was teaching me that he loved this man as much as he loved me. He created him too. Died on a cross for him just like he died for me. He had plans for this man since he was a boy and hurt for him. And just like that woman hurt for her friend and, and came, God cared about this man. And I had been blessed in my life with great family and opportunities. I didn't know what this man's story was. But I just couldn't ignore him anymore. Not if the Holy Spirit was in my heart. For God was putting a love inside of me for this stranger. And I think that's what we see in our scripture too. The people of God, filled with the Spirit of God, are not just given the power of God, but they are given the love of God for complete strangers. That is Jesus in us. That is what we're feeling. And so the people that Peter and John may have walked past every day for years and didn't even notice, now they can see, for the Spirit is causing them to see. And so who in your life right now is Jesus helping you see? Be ready. The Holy Spirit wants to move you for people that you hadn't noticed before. But the second thing I wanted us to see in this is that Peter and John, they don't give the guy what he asks for. They give him what he really needs. The man is asking for money because that's all he knew. Jesus, like it makes me think of the crippled man outside the pool of Bethesda, he was asking for somebody to help him into a pool because that's all he thought would help. But Jesus doesn't help him into a pool, doesn't give him what he asked for. Jesus gives him something even greater. He says, do you want to be well? If so, take my hand, get up and walk. And the man in faith believed, took the hand of Jesus and walked wasn't only healed, but he was saved. He got so much more than he asked for. Well, this is what God wants to do in you for other people. The crippled man may be asking Peter and John for money because it's all he knows. It's all the world has taught him. But Peter and John had something greater for him than that. In fact, they had no money to give. So Peter says, I don't have gold, but what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And it says, taking him by the hand, Peter and John help him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles become strong. And he started jumping and walking and praising God, which means the man didn't just get a hand out. He got a hand up. He was healed and he was saved. Peter and John didn't just give him what he asked for. They gave him so much more. 
And it may be easier and quicker, you know, for you and I to hand out money to people and problems when the Lord wants us to give ministry instead of money. Ministry instead of money. To do this, we got to think deeper about what a person really needs and what we've been given to give and what would Jesus do for this man. Ministry is harder. Ministry is putting our faith in Jesus for a miracle. It is taking time out of our day for people, and that's not always easy. We romanticize helping the poor or caring about people, but it's not always glamorous because people are people, and they have ugly pasts and current addictions and sins, and just like us, they don't change overnight, and often deeper issues and obstacles to really helping people, and it takes time and sacrifice. I mean, ministry is tough. It's quicker and easier to just drop a few coins and move on and think we've done our Christian duty, but have we? Have we really done everything that Jesus has called us to do. Sometimes God asks for our money, but other times he wants us to do ministry, to stop and dig a little deeper, to look a little closer, to pray a little longer, and to think, Lord, what are you asking me to do for them? It may be to be a friend. It may be weekly taking time to serve somebody, show up when when you're tired to just listen or to tutor or disciple or to help. It's still going to be the Lord doing the miracle, but you'll be doing the sharing of the word and sharing of his love and taking the hand and helping somebody to their feet. Peter and John don't give money, they give ministry. Next it says, in the name of Jesus, the man was healed. And I wanted to say something about that because in Philippians 2 it says, God exalted Christ to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. The name in the Old Testament, we see the power of God's name. When Moses goes before Pharaoh, he doesn't go in his own name. He speaks in the name of the Lord, let my people go. And that's what truly commanded Pharaoh and caused the deliverance of God's people. Same thing with David in 1 Samuel 17. When young David stands before the giant and Goliath sees a simple little boy there with sticks and stones, David says to the giant, you come before me with sword and spear, but I come before you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel whom you've defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. So David, like Moses, didn't stand in their circumstance, in their own power and authority. They had none. They went in the name of the Lord. And it made all the difference. And so too Peter calls on the name of the Lord, the name that's above every name, the only name that has the power to heal or save. And when we pray, We're to pray in the name of Jesus for our kids. When we ask for healing, we're to look and to help somewhere or whatever. We go in the name and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We go in his name. We pray in his name. And then finally, I want to end with this point. That after the man was healed, the disciples experienced both good and bad from the crowd. Both. In Acts 4.4, it says, Many who heard the message believed and number of disciples grew to 5,000. This is the good that happened afterwards. There was about 3,000 believers before that, so this miracle brought in another one to 2,000 or so, which makes you really think, what's the real miracle here? Was God more interested in helping one man walk or save a 1,000 souls? What we may be praying for, the Lord may be focused in on an even greater miracle. And we always have to be open to what God wants to do bigger than what we think. But what I want us to see is that the good that came from this was, was wonderful, that all these people come to, to faith. But the bad thing also happened in this story. For the crowd, some of the crowd turned on the disciples, the Sadducees they did, and they didn't like the fact that Peter and John were preaching about Jesus and the resurrection, and so they take them and they put them into jail. 
So even though the disciples were doing exactly what the Lord wanted them to do, they experienced both good and bad outcomes here, growth and persecution, just like Jesus, right? So the disciples were going to have to face persecution like Jesus if they were going to act like Jesus. Same with us. The more we as a church act like Christ and what he calls us to be, the more great things we're going to see, but also the more tough things we're going to see. But will we still follow after him? For the sake of the man who's now able to walk, for the sake of the crowd that found salvation in Christ and will be with him forever, it's okay if not everybody likes us. They didn't all like Jesus, but he loved them. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.